This is It Was a Thing on TV. Punisher! Control! Tell me before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Episode 315, submission number 655, Camp Wilder. Camp Wilder aired on ABC from September 18th, 1992 to February 26th, 1993 for 20 episodes, one of which went unaired. There's not even a synopsis for it. ABC was riding high on the strength of its sitcom block, most notably the TGIF block, which wouldn't, you know, formally be a thing until, what, 1990? 1989? 89. We already established this. One of the shows that would be a sitcom success for ABC was The Wonder Years. Now, why do I bring up The Wonder Years? Besides the fact that it's awesome. Because one of its writers, Matthew Carlson, had an idea about what would happen if you had a family sitcom without the parents. What? It's a family sitcom without the parents. And from that we get this show. A show about three siblings... They're friends and one little kid because this is still a family sitcom. Yeah, it's 1992, 1993. You have to have a cute little kid in your show. Precocious little kid. The main characters in this family are the three kids. Ricky Wilder, a 28-year-old nurse and single mother. Brody Wilder, a high schooler. And Melissa Wilder, a middle schooler who can't seem to bring herself to like her two siblings. Oh, well. Isn't that always the way it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, okay, Ricky is sort of the reluctant adult figure. Brody is middle kid syndrome. And Melissa's like, I can't believe I'm related to these two. But aside from these three, you also have Ricky's daughter, Sophie, and 
Brody and Melissa's melange of best friends. Altogether, they make up perhaps the most unlikely of family dynamics. They call it Camp Walter. Now, this show actually takes place in media res, meaning everything is just assumed to be understood as the show begins its run. I mean, we don't get any sort of exposition at the beginning. We just see, okay, here are three siblings, their friends, and Ricky's daughter. And hilarity is supposed to ensue. We're all supposed to know this. So I guess it was a hard sell from the word go. But let's get into the brass tacks of the series and figure out why Camp Walter didn't last as long as many of its TGIF compatriots. So the synopsis goes, Ricky Walter is a 28-year-old nurse and single mother, raising her family in her childhood home after the death of her parents. Ricky's only actual child was her six-year-old daughter, Sophie, but she was also the principal guardian to her two teenage siblings, 16-year-old Brody and 13-year-old Melissa. From the time their parents died, Ricky understood that she couldn't change out of her persona as the cool, approachable older sister and mix parenting tactics in with the setting of a casual laissez-faire household. In fact, the atmosphere of the Wilder House was so laid back that many of the neighborhood kids, including Brody and Melissa's friends, sought it as a refuge from the stricter, more confining homes run by their traditional parents. Then Ricky welcomes them all in with open arms and open seats at their dinner table. Aww. Among the regular inhabitants were Brody's off-kilter best friend, Dorfman, and Melissa's best friends, Beth and Danielle. Of course, many other friends and classmates of theirs drop in and act as de facto kids. And people generally got on with each other. Most notably, Danielle's unrequited crush, Dexter, a hip motorcycle riding bad boy. So he wasn't a genius inventor? No, he was not. Oh, damn it. I was hoping this was going to be some kind of prequel to Dexter's Laboratory. Sorry. No, he's not a genius inventor. And no, he is not a coroner with murder on his mind. So, let's talk about who actually played who in Camp Walter. The eldest sibling, Ricky, was played by Mary Page Keller, who would have just been coming off of doing baby talk on the network, which may or may not, depending on who you ask, be a ripoff of the Look Who's Talking franchise. Oh, it was definitely a ripoff of Look Who's Talking. I know it was a ripoff. They acknowledged it as such in the uh, credits. That was really a question? That was clearly a ripoff. Yeah, it depends on what your definition of the word ripoff is. Yes, I thought it was a ripoff, but the thing of it is, it was sort of created for television by the same person who did that movie. Oh, wait, Amy Heckerling was involved in it? Amy Heckerling had the final say-so. Wow! But hey, 
You know what was amazing about that show? What's that? Tony Danza did the voice of the baby, and the baby's name wasn't Tony. Nope. The baby's name was Mickey. Mickey. Because, get it? The baby's name and look who's talking is Mikey. We'll talk about that on another episode. Okay. The younger sister, Melissa, was played by Megan Haldeman, who, and I'm not lying, would go on to play a similar role in two other things on TV, Hearts of the West and The Home Court. What the hell is The Home Court? I know Hearts of the West was that show with um, Bo Bridges, right, on CBS? Uh, Correct. And The Home Court was basically a look at Chicago family court judges and the families they both prosecute and come home to raise. And looking at it, Pamela Reed was one of the main characters. And so was Charles Rocket. Hello! Can we go back to Mary Page Keller for a quick second? Oh, yeah. All right. I just wanted to add she was on a week of Mass Game Hollywood Squares Hour. Nice. The week before Bill Cullen was on. So the week before... Greg, get it out of your system. Get it out of your system. So the week before... Johnny, Johnny, can you come here for a second? Hey, Greg, what do you need me for? Oh, Johnny, I need you to reenact the time Bill Cullen was on the match game Hollywood Squares Hour and you announced him. Really? You want me to do that? Why? Look, Johnny, just do it. Okay, you son of a bitch. From Hot Potato, Bill Cullen. That's great, Johnny. Okay, you can go now. Oh, oh, did we also uh, not mention that Mary Page Keller was on Duet? Oh, that's right. She was on Duet. She was Uh, my first celebrity crush. With our favorite, Chris Lemon. Who may or may not be a future show Hall of Famer. Wait, wait. Chris Lemon is not Allison LaPlaca. That is true. Uh, hey, yeah. Are we forgetting Bo as Ruben? Or serious, are we forgetting Bo as Ruben the dog? Notice, we mentioned everybody on the cast of Duet, except for Matthew Lawrence and Jody Thielen. Just saying. Oh, that's right. Matthew Lawrence was on Duet. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he was not playing a guy with a fake mustache and a Texas accent like he did in Money Play. Oh, God. <laughs> By the way, hold on. Speaking of Money Playing, did you see that PFT commenter met yes, Kelsey Grammer at the Rutgers yes, game last week? Yeah. He met Fraser Crane. That's right. Who knew they were both Shiano men? Nice. And the middle child of the Wilder family, 16-year-old Brody, was played by Jerry O'Connell. He would have been coming off of doing three seasons of My Secret Identity. He's been busy since. And his wife is number one. Yes, his wife is number one on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Yeah, and that's where he's been very busy. Wink, wink, wink. Well, he's also doing the real love boat. That is true. And he's doing some sort of drawing game. Oh, yeah. And then there's that show where he's jumping in and out of parallel universes. 
Yes. Pictionary? <laughs> oh, okay. Like we said, Jerry O'Connell's been busy. Rounding out the cast of Camp Wilder would be a group of actors who would have been relative unknowns at the time. For example, Melissa's best friends were played by Margaret Langrick, who would be that Canadian girl from That Canadian Thing, and Danielle, who would be played by some actress named Hilary Swank, who would have gone on to be known as the titular role in the cinematic masterpiece, The Next Karate Kid, and literally nothing else. I wonder whatever happened to her. Never heard of her. Last I heard, she returns to ABC in a trip to Alaska. Really? Well, I heard she became a boxer at some point. I'm not saying the other role she did. I'm just taking the high road here. I could have said what happens to her in the boxing movie at the end, but I wasn't going to. All we'll say is, Hilary Swank deserves all of the awards she won. Yes. That's a good way of stating it. Yes, thank you. And then you have uh, Ricky's daughter, Sophie, played by Tina Majorino, who would have been six years removed from being a child in Waterworld, among no, other roles. No, three years removed, because Waterworld three? was... Not- God, not- why did I think that Waterworld happens later? I don't know. Because remember, Waterworld was 95, and then Costner had the postman, like, in 97. Oh, uh, yeah. It's yeah. like... It's like Kevin Costner did The Bodyguard. He thought he could do no wrong. And then all of a sudden, he made every bad career choice ever. But now he's back on track. He's got Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Yeah, so everything's good for Kevin Costner these days. So, And by the way, uh, Tina Majorino, another person who's been busy. She was let's say, on Veronica Mars as Mac McKenzie. She was in Napoleon Dynamite, the movie, as Deb. She reprised that role in the future thing on TV that was spun off of that movie. And then she was in season five of True Blood. Hmm. Really? She was in season five of True Blood? Yep. Oh, my God. And she's still working to this day. She was in an episode of The Good Doctor earlier this year. Ah, The Good Doctor. Freddie Highmore's best work. Uh, I don't know. Charlie the Chocolate Factory was pretty good. Well, I'm sure some will say Bates Motel was the best, but I disagree. Yep. And then you have Brody's best friend, Dorfman, played by Jay Moore. That's right, Jay Moore. Jay freaking Moore. This was actually his first starring role, and after this show was canceled, he auditioned for Saturday Night Live and landed a role there. You could say he has a really good comedic chop on this. Yeah, there's one thing I can say about Jay Moore around this time. He was always very good at his craft. He was very good at his craft. It's like, Jay Moore was Ryan Reynolds before Ryan Reynolds was Ryan Reynolds. 
That is an apt comparison, yeah, because he was very much the Ryan Reynolds of the 90s. The early 90s. Because remember, two guys, a girl, and a pizza place would be later 90s. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because 98 was two guys, a girl, and a pizza place. And then, of course, later they dropped the pizza place from the title for some reason. For some reason. And also, we have in a recurring role as Dexter, the hip motorcycle-riding, leather-wearing bad boy that Danielle goes absolutely gaga for. Hold on a second. Chico, I'm going to say it. I want you to say it. Okay. I want you to say it. All right, here we go. Say it right now, buddy. For, for the say first right time now. on this podcast, I'm proud to say, it's Morbin time! <laughs> Why? Why did I let you say it? Why the hell did I let you say it? It's probably going to be like another year and a half before we actually cover that movie on season two of Into the Spidey Movieverse. Yeah, we're we're, we're actually we're talking about uh, Doctor Morbius from the uh, Spidey universe, and that would be, of course, Jared Leto. Yeah, the one version of the Joker we don't talk about. We don't talk about Jared Leto's Joker. No, no, no. We can talk about him in the Dallas Buyers Club, though. Yes, he too won an award for that, if I'm not mistaken. Hold on a second. When Mike said we when talking about Jared Leto, I thought he was going to say, we live in a society. Because get it, that's what the Joker says in Zack Snyder's Justice League to Ben Affleck's Batman. I know, I know, I know. No, no Greg, wait, wait, I, I need to rebut here. Because you know I don't watch many comic book movies, if even any. Why would you expect that phrase to come out of my mouth? Because that's like a big meme, the Joker saying we live in a society. Oh, boy. I'll take your word for it. Oh, there you go. It's a good thing I mentioned it's Mormon time. Because when we talk about that movie, Chico, in a year and a half, you know what we'll be talking about for like 10 minutes? Leopardon. No. No, 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 no. That weird-ass scene where Matt Spiff was doing that sexy dance. It's Matt Smith. Everything he does is weird. I know, but it was so weird when I was watching that in the theater. I was, yes, I actually went to see Morbius in the theater. And for I'm the glad record, one of us did. I wanted to, but life got in the way. Well, here's the thing. I actually didn't pay money to see it. I had enough points in my Regal Crown Club card to see it for free. You lucky bastard. And I saw it for free, and I was like, dear God, after watching that scene, I was like... I felt ripped off, and I was like, I didn't pay a dime to see this movie, and I still feel ripped off. <laughs> but at least Matt Smith has House of the Dragon, so I don't feel too bad. Oh, yeah. Let's just say we're not going to be talking about Matt Smith during the, uh, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. But yeah, Yeah, hint, we're doing something in November of 2023. Yeah. More on that later, though. Much later. We don't want to give too much away. No. Shh. Hey, no talking. Shh. All right. 
So, let's talk about all of the going-ons on Camp Wilder. Now, remember, all of this is happening in media res, which means everything has already been firmly established. We have absolutely no exposition except what is going on in the pilot, which we all watched, by the way. And all I can say is, that poem that Melissa sort of reads at the beginning basically sums up the entire premise. Episode 1. Bad influence. Ricky struggles to be a parent to her teenage brother and sister, while Brody doesn't want to follow Ricky's rules. Meanwhile, Sophie is afraid the Tooth Fairy will steal all of her teeth right out of her mouth. And hoping to maybe possibly lend some gravitas to all of this, or at least give the three siblings a common enemy, we have an appearance by Grandma Wilder, played by Beverly Garland. Oh yeah, Beverly Garland. A screen yeah. uh, legend. Yep, been in, you name a B-movie that uh, was in the theaters during 1950s and 60s, she was in it. Yeah, some of them were definitely on MST3K, I know that. Yep, uh, you got uh, the Alligator People, It Conquered the World, Swamp Women. If you want to add a mainstream TV show uh, to her resume, she was a regular character on Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Oh, oh yes. Okay. Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Love it. Bruce Boxleitner at his Bruce Boxleitningest. Episode 2, C-Spot Go. Ricky bans the neighborhood kids from the house, which means no Beth, no Danielle, and no Dorfman. Oh, why you have to ban Jay Moore? Yeah, she, uh, she thinks raising her kid is hard enough. Now she's raising her brother, her sister, and their friends. And all of this was just sort of sprung on her. This was getting way too out of hand. Probably what we thought when we saw this TV show. It's like, she's raising all these kids all of a sudden. It's getting way too out of hand. For this person, there's no character name. So uh, we'll just play it by ear. But Todd Sussman was in this episode. I mentioned him for one reason and one reason only because if uh, this has to be on the list, if not, I'm putting it on right now. He played Jack Fletcher for six episodes, and it looks like six episodes, maybe as long as this show ran on the show Scorch. Yep, that's as long as it ran. All right. We definitely with, have Scorch on the list. So. With Scorch, Ron Lucas and Scorch. I love it. Scorch has his own TV show. Hey, why not Scorch having his own TV show? They gave a TV show to Alf. Why not Scorch? Alf, there's a huge difference. Alf is adorable and cute and funny. Scorch. Scorch is of- also adorable and funny. 
And he can breathe fire. Okay, okay, wait a second. Scorch was a backup character to a panelist on Match Game in 1990. That's my case, and I'm sticking to it. So hold on, (laughs) hold on. You know who should have been a guest star on Scorch? Did you say Matt Smith? No, no, no. Matt Smith would have been eight and living in England back then. No. I I failed to see where your argument is going, but go on. Here's who should have been a guest on Scorch. Ricky Steamboat. Get it? (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, Oh my gosh. That was so stupid. Yep. It was so stupid. That's exactly why he did it. Yeah, of course. That's why I'm my dad's son. You are your dad's son, after all. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Hold oh, on a second. <laughs> you want me to describe another stupid idea my dad has to improve sports? I don't think I've said this in a while. I'm. You know what? Go right on ahead. Okay. Go right on ahead. Okay, I told Mike this. Mike, you got to agree this is stupid. My dad thinks that every football game should have an extravagant Super Bowl-ish halftime show. Well, let's remember what your dad said. You give them Lady Gaga, and they'll be Gaga forever. That's right. But he also thinks that Ariana Grande is a B-list celebrity. So. But here's the thing. Wouldn't the NFL lose billions of dollars if every game had an extravagant halftime show? Yes. They would have lost billions of dollars. You know how they would have gotten it all back? How? Excessive fines for BS. Yeah. What's different between that and current uh, day NFL? Or Amazon will give them a billion dollars a year. For <laughs> oh, well, you know what? I have a way to improve the product here, and I yet I will freely admit to uh, stealing this from the NFL memes Instagram. You put the two worst teams on Thursday night, and the winner of that game goes back on the Sunday schedule replacing the worst team of the previous week. You know what these Thursday night games need? An MST3K style commentary option with Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tony Gonzalez, and Richard Sherman crapping on the game. Just remember, ESPN has the Manning Brothers, and they make bank. Okay? So, there's just something to think about, Amazon. Just a little something to think about. Yeah, a commentary track where they just crap on the games and people. <laughs> yeah, like, it's Thursday night. I could be out partying. Anyway. Yeah, let's continue. Where are we now? We're in episode three, The First Kiss. woo A boy who kissed Melissa chokes on her gum. Uh-oh. 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 So many names in this episode. It's oh, hard yeah. to tell which it's hard to tell which one of these jokers is the one who chokes on Melissa's gum here, but let's talk about him. Alright, so playing the role of David Seth Green. That's right, Seth Green. And you know what? I think at this time in nineteen ninety two, guys, he was in the Morky Mark Make My Video Game on Sega CD in 1992. I remember that. 
I did not think you were going to mention that. Oh my god. I didn't think you were going to remember it. Oh, I remember it because Jeff Gersman has done playthroughs on that game, and it is terrible. I know. Well, this would have been like, what, a year or so before he started doing the rallies commercials? Uh-huh. Ching. Okay. Ching. So it's a little bit early. Okay. And uh, playing an uncredited role, or at least an uncharactered role, somebody we talked about on this podcast before, Jared Rushton. He of uh, the pilot for Where's Rodney? That's right. But also, he was in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Remember that? And Big! And Big! Can't forget about Big. Yep. And one of the third cadre of Melissa's sort of kind of classmates is Rob, played by Blake Soper, who would go on to be a recurring character on Boy Meets World. But at this point, he was in season two of Salute Your Shorts. Wait, is he Pinsky? He is Pinsky. That's amazing, Pinsky. Wasn't he in that one band with Jenny Lewis? Was he, I don't know. Was he in a band with Jimmy? With I Jenny think it Lewis? was Real Kylie. Yes. By the way, his real name Blake Senate Swenson. Sounds like a name of a Georgia politician. Yeah, I was today years old when I learned all of this. Yeah, Blake Senate Swenson, or Blake Soper to you and me was in Rilo Kylie with Jenny Lewis. By the way, he joined her band on stage in 2015 for two shows at Coachella. And oh, the two that's... of them contributed a performance to the Rock and Relief live stream in 2021. Oh, that's great. That is great. Episode 4. To protect and serve. Brody and Melissa jump to conclusions about Ricky's date. I guess Ricky got tired of being the parent, so she went out with a guy named Hank, played by Drew Pillsbury. Who, as last we saw, was in 2011's Transformers Dark of the Moon. Episode 5, Melissa's Friend. Brody takes charge after Melissa cuts class. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, you would expect Ricky to be that sort of domineering parent, but Brody being the parent? It's not a good look for a 16-year-old, I don't think. But then again, this is Jerry O'Connell, so what the hell do I know? One of the guest stars in this episode was Paul Sands, and we're going to be talking about him later this month, actually. We're not going to say in which episode, but he is going to come up again in the month of October on this podcast. But aside from that, he was best known for playing Rabbi Polonsky in Joan of Arcadia and Leonard Davis in True Colors, where uh, Stephanie Pharisee married the guy from Blazing Saddles. Episode 6, Sophie's Birthday. An emergency at the hospital leaves Brody in charge. Why you gotta force Brody into a parental role like that? This is not gonna work out well. Not even close. 
Somebody we already talked about on this show makes a return appearance on this show, playing the role of Jennifer will be Marley Shelton. And we all know what Marley Shelton is best known for, Chico. Yes. She was Wendy Peppercorn in the Sandlot. Mm-hmm. Squints, he went all the way on her, if you know what I mean. And you can't see it, but Chico's doing the Ron Glass face. <laughs> you know. I was waiting for this episode to show up so we could talk about Marley Shelton again. Just saying. Let's take a few minutes to let Chico cool down a little bit. Here's a little commercial break for you. Pepsi can or what? Introducing a whole new way to look at Pepsi and Diet Pepsi. It's beautiful. Responsible adults aren't supposed to have fun. Wake up. We can do whatever we want. Drive racing cars to work, play golf in our pajamas, tennis on the bus, or baseball in our mother-in-law's living room. All you need is a Game Boy. It's a personal game-playing system with over 200 puzzle, action, and sports games to choose from. Hey, fun is your reward for growing up. Start playing. You really gotta get one of these. Game Boy by Nintendo. Have you had your fun today? Oh, give me a meal with a real cowboy feel And a sauce with that real western zest My chili macaroni's great They'll all clean their plate Cause this cow hand makes chili mac the best Just add hamburger to our macaroni and thick, great-tasting chili sauce Hamburger Helper Chili Macaroni It's a delicious family meal That's my brand Hamburger Helper Chili Macaroni Yahoo! Makes a great meal Episode 7, The Spirit of Friendship. Brody and Danielle trick the gang on Halloween. So yeah, it's a Halloween episode. By the way, did we mention our Halloween month is coming up soon? That's right, we're starting it in the next episode, but we'll wait to tell you when that's going to happen. Episode 8, It's a Wonderful Video. Ricky views Brody's video on a typical day in the Wilder house. It's a typical day. There's nothing really out of the ordinary. It's just one of those slice-of-life things. This whole series is a slice-of-life. This is about as meta as it gets. We're taking a slice of a slice-of-life and putting it on a video. Ricky is watching it and wondering what Brody's day is really like. Episode 9 Something wilder. 
Ricky befriends a free spirit and becomes a party animal. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm guessing this is the role of the free spirit, but playing the role of Jane in this episode is Shannon Holt, who would have been Carrie in an episode of Seinfeld. I only bring this up because... I know Greg likes it when I reference Seinfeld on this show. Yeah, what episode of Seinfeld was this? The Seven from 1996. Oh, I know what episode this is. Okay, so this is the episode where George says to Susan that he wants to name their baby Seven because Seven is Mickey Mantle's number. So one of Susan's friends decides, oh, that's a great idea. I'll name my baby Seven. And George is adamant that they stole his idea for the name. Come on. It's a fantastic name. It's a real original. Nobody else is going to have it. And I absolutely love it. Oh, well, I don't know how original it's going to be anymore. <laughs> Why not? Well, I was telling Carrie about our argument, and when I told them the name, they just loved it. So what are you saying? They're going to name their baby Seven. What? They're stealing the name? That's my name. I made it up. I can't believe that they're using it. Well, now it's not going to be original. It's going to lose all its cachet. I don't know how much cachet it had to begin with. Oh, it's got cachet, baby. It's got cachet up the yin-yang. It's the Seinfeld universe. Anything is possible. One more name in this episode. I do not have a character name again for this person. And you probably don't know who this person is, but we've actually talked about him in the past. Uh, Robert Allen Booth. Why do I mention that? If you go back about 270, 280 episodes ago, we talked about him because he played the quasi-producer Mueller on Nightstand. Oh, Nightstand. If if you remember, Springer had uh, that one producer who stood uh, by the side. I don't remember what his name was, the guy with the beard and all that. That was uh, Mueller, or or Mueller, I think it's Mueller, was the the nightstand version of of that producer. Okay. All right. Episode 10. Boy loses girl. Brody tries to help a homeless teenager while Danielle is obsessed with getting Sophie's Ducky mug. Ducky mug. Ducky mug. Ducky mug. So yeah, this would be, hey, why do you all think I'm irresponsible? I brought home this runaway so I could help her out, didn't I? And yes, she's played by A.J. Langer, but that has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with it. By the way, yes, this would be the same A.J. Langer from My So-Called Life, Private Practice, and an endless battery of future entries. Episode 11, Young at Heart. That's Young spelled J-U-N-G. As in Carl. Yes. Brody regrets trying to cheat... On a book report. I did it all the time and I regret nothing. Yeah, I got D's in the class, but they're still passing. Yeah. Your mileage, your mileage may vary on that. I'm sorry. You know what? I cheated on a book report regarding Wuthering Heights. 
that book was just not my speed. I, I think I cheated on every book report but Wuthering Heights. Good for you. Oh, good for you. <laughs> and I still got a diploma. <laughs> and I teach the next generation of kids. How comfortable do you feel now? But we do have a name in this episode, and that would be Dr. Shirley, played by Carol Mansell, who would, you, you'd probably remember her as Ethel McDugan, the flapper who became an angel in training and then a housekeeper in Down to Earth on TBS. But hold on, Chico. I found another credit for her because we mentioned Seinfeld earlier. Uh-huh. She was in the Bubble Boy episode of Seinfeld, where she <laughs> played the mother of the Bubble Boy, which had the greatest ending ever, where George, Susan, and the Bubble Boy are playing a game of Trivial Pursuit, and I guess one of the answers is supposed to be the Moors, but it's the Moops, and apparently it's a misprint. <laughs> and so George and the Bubble Boy have a fight over the Panther in the Trivial Pursuit game. All right, Bubble Boy. Let's just play. Who invaded Spain in the 8th century? That's a joke. The Moors. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. It's the Moops. The correct answer is the Moops. Moops? Let me see that. It's not moops, you jerk. It's moors. It's a misprint. I'm sorry, the card says moops. It doesn't matter. It's moors. There's no moops. It's moops. Moors. Moops. Moors. I remember that episode. Episode 12, A Close Shave. New die Dexter punches Brody, but Dexter's good looks and cool personality impress Brody's friends. Meanwhile, Sophie wants to be a boy. You want to talk progressive? This was 1992. And if I'm not mistaken, this was the first instance where we meet Dexter as played by Jared Leto. So yeah. Very much ahead of this time, that particular episode, I think. Episode 13. We're moving into 1993 now with Career Day. Career Day at Brody's school makes Ricky re-examine her choices. Remember, Ricky is a nurse. She's juggling single motherhood, two siblings and a daughter, and all of their friends, with being a nurse. So she's pretty much thinking all of her choices here. And a couple of names in this episode, uh, playing the role of Ed, Don Lake. Nowadays, he's in Space Force, but if I'm not mistaken, he was on Super Day back in the day. He played Donald Glanz on various episodes of Super Dave. Okay. Was that the cartoon Super Dave or the series? The series. Okay, the series, okay. The actual, actual series. All right. But he did reprise his role on the cartoon, so. Okay, and the cartoon's a future entry, too. Yes, it is. 
And then, in the role of a teacher, is Abette Freeman, who you would probably remember playing the role of Nurse Haley Adams on ER. The drama, not the sitcom. She also played Irma on nine episodes of Orange is the New Black, if that's your speed. Episode 14. I love you, Margaret B. Sanger. Danielle asks for Ricky's advice about birth control, which angers Danielle's mom. Melissa wants to be nicer to get invited to a party, and Sophie trains a penguin. Now, guys, before we get into any possible guest stars, do you want to know who directed this episode? I know, but I want you to say it. Say it, man. Jamie Widows. Whoop, whoop. Future, or is he actually in the Hall of Fame for this show? Not yet, want... but he should be. No, he, he's eventual. I don't know if it's going to be this year or uh, 2024, but it's coming. He'll definitely get a spot. Oh, definitely. Episode 15, bringing up Brody. Brody dates a teen mother. He's attracted to a young woman he's tutoring at school, then discovers she's a single mother. And playing that single mother, Kristen Dottillo, best known for uh, being Janie in the Janie's Got a Gun video, but also as Detective Barbara Gianna in Dexter. Speaking of Dexter... He's not in this episode. In a role as a mom, Randy Heller, who we talked about on one of our better episodes, Second Chance slash Boys Will Be Boys. Yeah, the 1987 version of Second Chance. And Mike is hanging his head in shame. Because I really don't want to say this, but it's the first thing that came to mind when you said that. Can you find the dead guy in this picture? Oh. But also at the same time, in the back of my head, the second chance team from 1977. Oh my gosh. Too many second chances. And we haven't even gotten to the 2016 second chance yet. Oh, no, no, no. That's way down the line here. We just might be the second chance podcast before long. Episode 16, Forget Me Not. When everyone forgets Melissa's birthday, the teen decides to celebrate on her own and breaks some rules. No, Susan? Hold on, let me do it. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Episode 17, Love Stinks. Yeah, yeah. Love stinks. Ricky decides to ask out a coworker at the aquatic park, believing there is mutual attraction. Playing said coworker, I'm guessing, uh, by the name of Max, is Kevin Kilner, who wasn't in much. I mean, he was in Earth Final Conflict as William Boone, and he was in Home Alone 3. But that's pretty much it. 
Yeah, and we don't even want to talk about Home Alone 3. No, we don't. Even though it launched Scarlett Johansson's career, no. No, I'm pre- I'm pretty sure something else launched her career. I can't remember what. I think it was Conan O'Brien. I may be wrong on that, though. Oh, by the way, for those who don't know on the regular pod, Bean Feed, who don't listen to Place to Be Nation, you'll find out all about that next month. And uh, in another role as Lisa is Jennifer Hale. Now, you don't recognize her name or her face, but you probably would recognize her voice. She actually played Ivy in Where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego. Oh, the cartoon Where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego. Yes. Not the, uh, because the PBS show was Where in the World and then Where in Time. Yes. And she was in the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy TV series as Mantis, if you remember that, Greg. Oh, the animated series. Yeah. Right after the first movie. Right after the first movie. Wasn't that on, like, Disney XD or something? It was on Disney XD or something. And she also played Carol Ferris in the uh, short-lived Green Lantern animated series. What does it say that the animated series that was a result of the Green Lantern movie was better than the Green Lantern movie. Yeah, I mean, can I just say something about the Green Lantern movie? Sure, why, why is not? Taika Waititi using an American accent in that movie? I know out of all the things in the Green Lantern movie, you're probably thinking, Greg, that's the one thing that you're focused on, to which I say, yes. I hope it leads to we get Korg in a cameo in Deadpool 3. That's all I'm going to hope for. Oh, and she was also the voice of Black Cat in the original Spider-Man the Animated Series. Oh, the Fox Kids Animated Series. Yeah, the Fox Kids Animated Series, which I didn't even know. I know she does a lot of voices. I just didn't know she did that one. Episode 18, A Portrait of the Artist as a Young Dorfman. A teacher gives Dorfman an F for his short story because it is too good for Dorfman to have been written by him. How do they not know that he wrote this? They think, oh, they couldn't possibly write. How do they not know he's a good writer? They don't know. They don't. They really don't. By the way, the teacher, Mr. Sutton, played by Jack Bannon, who... You remember as the captain in Little Big Man. He also played Art Donovan, not the football player. He played a character named Art Donovan on Lou Grant. Oh, he did. For for most of that show's run. I got a question. Do you think he ever asked Ed Asner how much somebody weighed? How how much does that guy weigh? How much does this fellow weigh? How much does this guy weigh? How much does this fellow weigh? No, you're not uh, doing it. You're not going to. Make nope, a you're not going to bait me on this one, Letterman. You're no. not going to bait me on this one. You almost got us, but you didn't. How nope. much does this guy weigh? Oh no! And in this episode, Aunt Ida, played by Pat Crawford Brown, she was Ida Greenberg on Desperate Housewives, among other things. And one other name. Playing Muse in this episode is Jill Goodacre. The only reason I mention Jill Goodacre is who she's married to. Yes. Harry Connick Jr. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up. 
Wow. Harry Connick Jr. Uh-huh. Don't think we've had a Harry Connick Jr. reference on no. this uh, podcast. No. We're and, long overdue for one. Oh, and I need to mention his cover of the Bare Necessities on the Disney cover album, Simply Mad About the Mouse. Great stuff. I love that. You know what? That whole record, man. That whole record. That whole record. Oh, yeah. And now, hold on. LL Cool J singing Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf classic. Billy Joel's When You Wish Upon a Star. Just saying. That is gold. All right. So we got one more episode, right? We do have one more episode. It is called That Was Thin, This Is Now. After being dumped by her boyfriend, Melissa goes on a diet, but her impatience to lose weight caused her to experiment with diet pills. Oh, no. No, 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 no. I can't joke about this. No, 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 no. And, yeah, we have a return appearance of Blake Soper as Rob, but as the guy in a drugstore, we have Charles Zucker, who you would probably remember as Malcolm in the original Teen Wolf movie. You know where my mind went. Where'd your mind go? You didn't? No. No, I didn't. I was hoping you were going to say he played Malcolm in Malcolm. Oh, no, 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 no. We're not even going there. Not even going there. Why is my mind, like, veering all over the place? I don't know. Okay, so that is the show, and now all that's left is that perennial question that we like to ask, what happened? Because again, you have a bunch of actors who would go on to not be any slouches, and they are incredibly talented, and they have great chemistry with each other, and they played well with each other. So, what's there left except scheduling? Because TGIF was a big ratings getter and definitely uh, great for family watching on ABC, right? Of course. So, you have to imagine that it was a matter of scheduling. Because in 1992, Family Matters would lead off the block at 8. Then you would have Step by Step. And then at 9 o'clock, you would have Dinosaurs. Not exactly as strong as the other two. And if I'm being completely honest, it stuck out like a sore thumb on the schedule. Yes, it's a well-written, well-performed sitcom. But it's in a block with Family Matters, Step by Step. And Camp Wilder. It stuck out like a sore thumb. And Camp Wilder just could not draw the same ratings as Family Matters or Step by Step. And also, if you look at what was on CBS at the time, something that we may cover in the future, Bob. A lot of people wanted to see Bob Newhart as a cartoonist. Not many people wanted to see Dorfman. Well, Bob was only there for a short time because I remember it airing on Monday nights. Well, they tried it on Fridays and it seemed to work, so. 
Well, it started on Friday nights, then it moved to Mondays. So maybe it didn't work as well as, as you say. And with CBS going with Bob on Friday nights and it succeeding, Bob was moved over to Mondays to see if it could shore up that lineup. Spoiler alert, it could not. Chuck Testa, what's your response? Nope. But that didn't help Kent Wilder's case either because, again, lead-in matters. And the lead-in for Camp Wilder was dinosaurs, and the two could not be any more diametrically opposed. So I guess you could say that the show itself suffered from a weak lead-in. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, Dinosaurs was a very good show, but if you compare it to the other shows of the TGIF lineup in 1992-93, yeah, no. I just think it wasn't much of a TGIF show. And really, I don't remember it being on TGIF. I'll admit I was working primarily on Friday nights at this point because I remember it being like on a Tuesday or so. I remember it being like on the same night as Roseanne and Full House and, and Coach and that type of stuff. Maybe it's just me. Yeah, it's ran out its entire season on TGIF on Fridays in between Dinosaurs and 2020. And historically, that 9.30 spot on Friday nights on ABC, the block as a whole was very successful. But 9.30 was a problem child. Oh, yeah, because we'll talk about that when we eventually talk about going places. Well, didn't we already sort of talk about that with I Married Dora? I mean, I know that wasn't necessarily a TGIF show per se, but... It sort of was like at the beginning of TJF, kind of, sort of. It was in the infancy, let's say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, I just don't like you dissing dinosaurs. I'm sorry. I got uh, the entire series on DVD literally like an hour before we started recording, and I'm just, I can't wait to crack into it, especially the episode where Robbie roids up. No, no, no. It wasn't him being roided up, Mike. He was on Thornoids. Thornoids. Oh, I, I forget. We can't use the word steroids because this is like uh, ABC and sort of Disney Corporation and Jim Henson. So we got to use uh, a little more family sensitive words. I'm sorry about that. But yeah, it had a very, very solid premise. I thought this show did. And it was. Don't get me wrong. Really good family programming. But in mid-season, ABC decided to go a different direction, and they replaced it with a show called Where I Live with Dougie Doug and Flex Alexander. Now, why do I remember that show, but I don't remember Camp Wilder? I can tell you why you remember it. It had Dougie Doug. No, I, I think it's beyond that. It isn't just Dougie Doug, but... Uh, Ducky Doug and Flex out. Why do I remember that, but I don't remember Camp Wilder? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for going way off track, but I'm just like absolutely baffled right now. And Where I Live did better numbers partly because of another show that had premiered at that time, uh, Getting By with uh, Cindy Williams and Thelma Hopkins. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, which was a better fit, they thought. 
where I live did have a second season order, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was definitely on the 93 fall schedule, I remember. Yeah, it was on the 93 fall schedule, but they moved it. So, now, this is one of those things where ABC has to look at the schedule for the upcoming fall season. They have to make a hard decision. And where I live was in, and Camp Wilder was out. It was just a matter of numbers game. Where I live had more. Unfortunately, Getting By, which also premiered with Where I Live, was also out. However, NBC did pick it up for another season. But that's another episode for another day. Any thoughts about um, Camp Wilder, guys? Well, all I can say is, at least this made Jay Moore's career. And Tina Majorinos. That's true, it did make her career too. And Hillary Swanks. Yeah. She became the next Karate Kid. And she was known for literally nothing else after that. No. Like I said, I was working Friday nights at that point. This is a total blur to me. Maybe I shouldn't have worked. Maybe, as a 17-year-old, I shouldn't have been working. I should have been watching TV at home. Making four twenty five an hour. No. Uh-uh. I would have liked to have made four twenty five an hour in nineteen ninety three, but then again I would have been thirteen at the time, so And I would have been Yeah. And I would have been eight. Yeah, th- those darn child labor laws. But nobody's career died as a result of this show. Uh Matthew Carlson went on to work on shows like God the Devil and Bob. Men Behaving Badly, Sons of Tucson, Mr. Sunshine, and Alexa and Katie. And he is also one of the principal writers on a show that Greg and I love to watch, The Mighty Ducks Game Changers. I've only watched the first episode of season two so far, so... Ah, that's one more episode of season two that I've watched. I mean, I keep meaning to sit down and watch the whole season... But stuff just keeps getting in my way. Like, why? I know. I haven't watched the last two episodes of Andor, too, so. Like we said, Jay Moore went on to audition for and land one of the spots as a featured player on Saturday Night Live. Jerry O'Connell landed Sliders. Hillary Swank landed Night 0210, among other things. Hold on. When you said Jerry O'Connell landed, I thought you were going to say something else. But I'm glad you didn't. Behave yourself! Camp Wilder was a family comedy unlike any family comedy ever broadcast to that point. Which was its greatest strength, but also its biggest downfall. And perhaps because of that, more than anything, it became just a thing on TV. Although, let's be honest, if you were 16 and you were living with your siblings, you would want to have your best friends with you, fully to act as a buffer to the whole shenanigans of it. So, imagine me at 16 
I wouldn't mind Mike and Greg coming over for dinner every single night. But how would Kiza have felt? Oh, she'd be cool with it. She is very much the Ricky Wilder of the group. Greg, she doesn't know us that well. Oh, no. 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 Greg would constantly be saying, hey, have we ever told you about Herb Abrams? <laughs> but let's remember, Don Lemon is very hot, according to Kiesel. Yep, Don Lemon is a very attractive gentleman. He may not feel the same about me, but that's just my opinion. Who wants to spring up in Kiesler that he has absolutely no interest in her? We already did. That ship has already sailed. That ship has already sailed. You know what was the worst thing about that looking back? Her talking about Chris Cuomo. That doesn't age well either. Oh boy. Maybe we should just stop looking at flirtatious eyes to any and all newsies. How about that? Yes, let's do that. Let's forget we ever talked about this. All right. And on that disappointment, all there's left is to plug the website. It was the thing on TV.com where you'll find links to our previous installments, all of our mini-sodes, all of our live watches. Of course, links to our socials, including our YouTube, where you can like and subscribe. Hit that notification bell if you want to stay up to date with all of our future installments, like the one we have coming up on Thursday as we begin Halloween spooky season on It Was a Thing on TV. For Mike, for Greg, I'm Chico. Thank you so much for listening. Please be kind to each other, and we will see you for the next one. Wow! Coming up on Thursday... On the Hollywood Premier Network, somebody's trying to put the bite on Randy. I think it's time to find some mistakes. On an electrifying love and curses, it's service with a smile. And the main course is O positive. But it's a hot time for these vampires when they try Ian's garlic chicken. If you kill a vampire with Chinese food, does that mean an hour later he's undead again? Bite into an all-new love and curses. It's a howl. Love and curses. Monday at 8 on Universal 9.